pandemic acts as an ex excellent example of how we can learn from the mistakes of our past and what we can do better. Mm. I think that it's really important to focus on that. And, you know, if there was something wrong that was done in the past, understand what happened there, tell you so that, you know, you're not going to do it again. How can I do better here? And then really move ahead. This is a podcast called Walk, Talk, Listen. An attempt to connect people and make this world a bit better by sharing opinions and experiences based on the belief that everyone's perspective is true, albeit partial. My name is Maurice Bloom, and I would like to welcome you to yet another episode of Walk, Talk, Listen. Good day, everybody. This is another episode of the podcast Walk, Talk, Listen. And as always, I'm delighted to have today's guest who will introduce herself. Hi, my name is Gehgesha. I am a United Nations Human Rights Champion, a Forbes 30 Under 30, founder president of global social innovation enterprise, Green Hope Foundation, which works across 25 countries with over 140,000 people to engage and empower them in the process of sustainability using education for sustainable development as a transformative tool. And our main goal is to reach out to the farthest first and really implement the UN Sustainable Development Goals at the ground level, following its mandate of leaving no one behind and achieving a life of dignity for all. I am from Toronto, Canada. I'm also the only Canadian to win the International Children's Peace Prize. And um, I've been named as one of Canada's top 25 women of influence. And just recently, I've been awarded the Lewis Perenbaum Impact and Innovation Award. Uh, it's a Canadian award for mm -hmm. work with Green Hope Foundation. So that is me wow. and a bit about Green Hope Foundation. Well, congratulations. And and it's pretty amazing. I mean, you're one of those guests, um, young leaders that actually are already in this type of working in this field being very active for many years. Can you, can you tell a little bit, you know, when you started and why and, and how? Sure. So I grew up in a household where empathy was very important to us and empathy was our normal and just part of our daily lives. I used to see my parents go out early in the morning every weekend to distribute food and clothes to those in need. And I used to always accompany them I used to see my grandmother to this day actually grow organic uh, vegetables and fruits on her terrace. Mm. So I really believed that giving back to the planet, giving back to our community was something that was a part of everyone's lives and was normal. Mm. But fortunately, this was not the case. And I got this wake up call when I saw an image of a dead bird whose belly was full of plastic. And that was really disturbing to my, I was seven years old at the time. And I knew there was something wrong with that image. It was also around that time that I attended a lecture by environmentalist Robert Swan. And his words, the greatest threat to our planet is the belief that someone else will save it 
really resonated with me. And that inspired me Hmm. to start my sustainability journey. So I did that by planting my first tree on my eighth birthday, which is coincidentally World Environment Day, 5th June. And I always thought I was preordained to become an eco-warrior. But of course, I had to work uh, towards that. And that's something that I'm definitely doing now uh, and for the last so many years with Green Hope. And then I worked tirelessly on the ground for about three years, engaging my community, uh, adults and children alike. And then I, when I was 11 years old, the United Nations somehow caught hold of the work that I was doing. And I was invited to speak at my first UN conference in Bandung, Indonesia. And that was my first step into the international arena. The next year in 2012, I was at Rio Plus 20, the Earth Summit. And I, out of 50,000 delegates there, I was the youngest uh, to speak there, to address a press conference. I was only 12 years old. And that was when I realized that there was a severe lack of inclusivity of children uh, and youth, and especially children in the sustainable development dialogue in the process. And that was uh, how I founded Green Hope. When I returned home, I founded Green Hope Foundation to provide children and young people, and especially those in marginalized communities, and slowly branched out to all sectors of society to uh, provide that life of dignity for all, enable them to really take the reins of their destiny into their own hands. And, you know, we address all aspects of sustainability because we work all across the world. We recognize that there are unique challenges in every country, every region, and every community even. And that is why you need local solutions for those local challenges. So we localize the sustainable development goals and obviously, Green Hope was founded before the SDGs uh, came into action. But mm-hmm. what we realized was that our work related so well to that. And I, when I was 12 as well, I got elected as global coordinator for children and youth at the United Nations Environment Program. And that was actually a huge milestone because it made me the youngest person and the only minor to ever hold that position. Mm-hmm. And it was really breaking a barrier in the UN. This is the first time that a child had ever been elected into a leadership position. And in that capacity, and I was selected as one of the 193 youth, each representing a UN member state when the sustainable development goals were adopted at the UNGA. And again, I was the youngest uh, there. I was only 15 and everyone else was above 18. So Mm. much older than that, actually. So I always understood the importance of, you know, high-level dialogues, but taking those dialogues to the ground and Mm -hmm. implementing them with those who are affected most by the issues and really bridging the gap between the top-down and bottom-up processes. So today, like I said, Green Hope Foundation works in 25 countries with our world's most marginalized communities, as well as urban environments, so that you're really able to bring about sustainability in every single community and in everyone's lives. Yeah, I'm pausing here for for a moment to give the listeners as well as myself, you know, the time to digest, you know, everything that you have done uh, already in your life is pretty amazing, and and um, yeah, it's it's one of the the reasons that despite you know worries, my worries about 
what is happening to the world is is um, um, that there is still a lot uh, that we can be thankful uh, for and hope hopeful about, and and that's you know seeing people like you. Uh, being extremely active and and uh, have done, done so much already in your in your uh, short life, if you compare it to to my life. So so thanks for for that. This this podcast is a spin-off of a hundred mile uh, walk campaign that I've done for the last nine years or so. And um, so one of the questions that I ask my guests is, you know, if you would be asked to walk a hundred mile, for which cause would you do that? Do that? I, I think I know, but I still would like to ask you the question and hear you. Yes, of course. I think that's a really important question. And at the end of the day, the work that I do is for humanity and for bringing a smile on people's faces. And I, I know it is a bit broad, but I think that is the cause I would walk for because it's that is our ultimate goal to ensure that everyone has that life. Of dignity, and that's exactly what we do at Green Hope Foundation. So, yes, uh, to bring a smile on people's faces and for humanity. Great, yeah, and and I think you know, I've, uh, when you were starting to explain and how you started in this work at etc., I have some idea of what really drives uh, drives you in life. But I still would like to ask the question: What drives you in life? You know, what when you wake up in the morning. Why is that? And what do you want to do? And, and uh, what do you go for? Yeah, you know, again, it, I go back to that uh, point about me doing it for humanity mm-hmm. and the smile on the people's faces. And, you know, every single time we go into community, we work with the community, we learn from one another, and then we are able to help someone out and just be that catalyst for change. The amount of happiness that brings me and my members and the people whom we are working with that is what keeps me going. Uh, mm. You know, just uh, yesterday, Green Hope Foundation installed solar streetlights in a town in Liberia. And that would ensure that the children and the people, especially the girls and women, have safe spaces to walk around at night because they didn't have electricity before that. And for me, that smile on the faces. And, you know, when we heard back from them about how beneficial that is, that is what keeps me going. In, uh, we also actually installed a whole solar grid there in their homes and communities and the school as well. And that enables the girls and women, again, to have safe spaces to be able to go to school at night for computer literacy. And, uh, you know, that continues their education, moves them away from a life of drugs and crime. And that, again, brings a smile on their faces. And it's something that makes me feel so satisfied as well. In another part of the world, and this is all during the pandemic, by the way, we just Mm-hmm. Uh, done this uh, when we are in such trying times as well. It's even more important in uh, Bangladesh, in the village there, we installed depot tube wells, we installed toilets, and mm-hmm. we installed rainwater harvesting systems. Now, in a community, in a village where they'd never seen a toilet in their life, when they did not had never had a source of clean drinking water because they used their river from for everything from. Uh, defecating to washing their clothes mm. to drinking the water and that caused like you know uh, diseases that we never they'd never heard of we'd never heard of but being able to provide these uh like the wells the toilets and again especially benefiting the women and girls mm-hmm. who suffer so much more disproportionately than the men and boys there that again is us bringing a smile on someone's faces and that drives me that keeps mm going because uh 
that that is my life's work basically to bring that smile on everyone's faces. Can you also tell me if you talk about we um, installed, you know, these wells? So, do you have every everywhere staff, or do you work through partnerships or co- collaboration? Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So, Greenwell Foundation has its core group. So, we have mm-hmm. our twenty-five chapter heads all across the world, and you know, I'm twenty years old, and they're all, almost all of them are younger than me mm-hmm. because they all started with me when I was. Uh, well, and they've grown up with uh, Green Hope, and now our younger members are actually joining in more and more. So that is our core group. We have our children's board as well. And mm-hmm. the best part about Green Hope is that we never go into a community and just tell them what to do, because that's not going to work. We need that local perspective, and that is why our chapter heads and our members are all from that those communities working on the mm-hmm. ground here. They know exactly what is needed, how to communicate best with Uh, the people who live there. And that is how we work. And so when I say we, I mean Green Hope Foundation and our local communities and our chapter heads and members over there. Now, prior to the pandemic, usually our core team used to uh, go there and, you know, in personally interact with them. Uh, But now our local members take that forward themselves. And Mm -hmm. if they do have access to technology, then we're able to connect with them online. Like just today, we conducted, uh, a, you know, a, an academy, a sustainability academy for students in DRC, in the Democratic Republic of Congo. But yeah, it's like they take it forward on the ground. They continue the work. And prior to the pandemic, and of course, after the pandemic, we would be going there to ensure that you know, we're able to connect firsthand with everyone. Often during the time that I walk, do my 100 mile, you know, and I, I am... Uh, when I'm accompanied by somebody for a mile or a, or a day, um, we often talk about religion and spirituality. And I think that just has to do with the fact that when you walk, you know, you start thinking and talking about why are we on this earth. Um, and I, I would like to discuss with you uh, or hear from you, you know, your thoughts on youth and religion and spirituality. Share some of your thoughts on that, if you can. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I my religion is Hinduism, but I when I was growing up, my parents had always taught me that first I am a human being and then comes my religion. So my religion is basically humanity. And that is something that relates so much to my spirituality, the common spirituality of humanity and mm-hmm. what we see at Green Hope Foundation. And because uh, in Green Hope, we are all from different religions and different beliefs we celebrate everyone's mm. festivals we uh under like we just understand each other and it's really an interfaith dialogue that mm. continuously uh, happens and i grew up in uh, a country and i grew up in dubai and now i'm permanently living in toronto and both are cities that are so cosmopolitan and allows for this kind of interfaith uh dialogue and uh this really the empathy that comes with learning from one another and giving back mm-hmm. no matter what your beliefs are and the ultimate belief being that of humanity. So I think that I've always had a really positive experience with uh, the people around me who uh, at the end of the day, they are 
spiritual because it's all about giving back to the society and the community and the environment. So yes, I think, and since most of us at Green Hope Foundation, it is run by young people. Mm -hmm. I see this reflected in them as well, the passion that they have for the community and for the planet. And that relates so well to their spirituality and what they uh, understand they must do as empathetic global citizens to give back. So I would say that in my experience and Green Hope Foundation, it's been really positive. And they, I think every single person experiences religion or spirituality in their own unique way. I think that's always been uh, the case. And again, it's not about us telling people what to do. It's about what you, what comes from the heart and what comes from the heart stays. So mm -hmm. I think that for me and for Green Hope Foundation is spirituality. For other young people, I'm, I don't think I can say like how they would experience spirituality mm -hmm. because unless you know someone well enough, uh, mm -hmm. you can't really comment about their spirituality and see how they experience the world. But I would say that, you know, at Green Hope Foundation, we are all spiritual because we do our work for the community and for the planet. And of course, the our religious uh, beliefs uh, work and fit very well into that because... You know, at the end of the day, it's about being human beings. I, I would like to talk with you also about something else that is very uh, current. And that's around, you know, racial justice. Um, and especially for uh, NGOs, for the non-governmental uh, organizations. Now, many of them started, the older ones, they started after the Second World War. So they're celebrating 50 or 75 years of their work. And um, it seems to be kind of time for, for those NGOs and for the, the sector as a whole to look at its role uh, within racial justice or uh, in injustice. And um, so if I ask you, you know, if, if you look if you look at uh, what the NGO sector has done as a whole, um, you know, is that a positive view that you have on on the NGO sector and their work, or more negative? And um, so that's one part of the question. And then the other part of the question is, you know, what do you think is is necessary right now for uh, NGOs to do around the issues of of racial justice? Yeah, you know, that is such an important uh, question. And racial injustice is something that's been happening for so long. And honestly, you'd think that in the 21st century, it would be something of the past, but sadly, it isn't. But racial injustice and really just social injustice in general, because all of these issues are interconnected with racial injustice, gender injustice, uh, you know, it's all interconnected. And you can't talk about one without the other. I think that a civil society has done a lot to ensure that, uh, you know, these uh, aspects of social injustice, they are uh, addressed. I know at Green Hope Foundation, it's something that we do every single day to really leave no one behind. Uh, and uh, many of our colleagues as well, we've seen that from the grassroots up, we have ensured that uh, there is representation, but of course, there's still a very, very long way to go in terms of, you know, the decentralization of the systems that still think that the center of the world is the Western world when it's still not true. I think that 
mindset needs to change, not just for NGOs, but really for all sectors of society. And that would enable them to address the unique challenges that each country and region faces. And that in turn allows even the communities within the country uh, addressing their unique needs. And I think that would go a long way in addressing uh, you know, racial injustice. Mm. So again, it, the problem is there. There it has been work done, but at the same time, I think there is a long way to go in ensuring that we are able to address all aspects of the social injustice, whether it's gender, whether it's uh, race or any other social determinant. Is there any advice for, from your point of view for, for those NGOs that are kind of reflecting on their past and looking yeah. f- towards the future? You know, I think it's always important to learn from the mistakes of your past and uh, really don't go back but move forward in terms of rebuilding better. I think mm-hmm. the pandemic acts as an ex- excellent example of how we can learn from the mistakes of our past and what we can do better. I think that it's really important to focus on that. And, you know, if there was something wrong that was done in the past, understand what happened there. Tell you so that, you know, you're not going to do it again. How can I do better here? And then really move ahead. And again, I go back to my point of recognizing every single person's unique lived experiences. In the Western world, I think uh, a lot of the time, the Western world just tells other nations, other communities, their own uh, minority communities within their nations, what to do and what should be done. But that's not going to work. We need to listen to everyone's voices. I think that is something that every single NGO, every single sector of society can undertake. And in Mm. that way, we can actually create a more equitable world. What are some of the things that you worry about at the moment? What I am worried about is how much our society is actually regressing due to the pandemic, you know, with the pandemic really exacerbating the inequalities that were already present before. So I think that it's really sad when I see all of these horrible things that are happening all across the world and really makes uh, me wonder about, uh, like, you know, all of the progress that we had had prior to the pandemic, and then suddenly it just went uh, away so quickly. So I think that that is what worries me, the regression Mm. of society. But at the same time, my organization is called Green Hope Foundation. Mm -hmm. I am an eternal optimist. So I always have hope. So when something worries me, I always look on the bright side and see what can I do, Mm. what can we do as Green Hope to... Uh, make sure that this situation, this worrying situation doesn't come to pass. So for me, it's worrying, yes, this regression, but it also gives me hope that we can rebuild better. We This uh, pandemic has shown us where we went wrong. And you know, from there itself, we can learn about what can, we can do better to ensure a more just and sustainable world. So yes, I don't like harp on the worries too long because that really brings about this negative energy and that doesn't work mm-hmm. for any of us. So I dwell on the positive and the hopeful part. And, mm-hmm. and that is how we are able to create positive impact everywhere.
I really like music. It's a very important part of my life. And a question that I ask to, well, I've asked to many of my guests is, if I would ask you to mention a song or a piece of music that uh, embodies you for the big part, you know, as the internal optimi optimist, for example, um, which song or piece of music would that be? Honestly, I would say that Green Hope Foundation composes its own music. Mm. So I would actually say that our uh, peace song that we released during the pandemic, I'd written it when I was 11 years old, and we re-released it as Green Hope Foundation when, uh, during the pandemic, and we recorded it then. I would mm. say that that is uh, a song that reflects our call for mm -hmm. peace uh, everywhere and really ensuring that peaceful world and another song i'd probably say two songs because another one is based on our experiences in the syrian refugee camp and really about uh tackling this idea of the lost generation how we can really rebuild better so uh that is another uh, song so i think two songs i can actually drop the links uh or send them to you but uh yeah those okay. are the two songs i'd say embodies what I stand for and what the mm -hmm. foundation stands for. Great. And, and, and are those songs with, with lyrics as well? Yes. Yes. Yeah, okay. I actually said gotcha. that to you, but uh, yes, just personally, and this is for Green Hope Foundation, but I think for personally, that is not a Green Hope Foundation song. UN Women's One Woman. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that song really embodies me because it's about, well, it's about gender equality. It's about, uh, women uh bringing about change and i think that really talks to me and about my mm. so yes great. and and do you have the, the links to all three songs for, for me yeah. okay great so i will make sure that um the listeners can find it in the notes of the, of the podcast we are slowly coming to the end of our conversation i i really have enjoyed this um if I ask you if you have a message uh, or a question or an invitation for the listeners, uh, what would that be? I would say that now is the time and the opportunity to rebuild better, to reflect on the mistakes of the past, to see where we went wrong, and then look to the future and understand that this is now the time for us to start taking action no matter how small and that ground level grassroots actions that begin with yourself are the most powerful. It's not about starting a big organization. It's about beginning with yourself, educating yourself, your family, your community, and really addressing those local challenges there. And always remembering that this work that we're doing for environmental justice, for social justice, and really changing our world, it's going to take time. You will not see the results firsthand and think uh, that is something that's really important to remember because it's a misconception that you take a small action and you're going to see it firsthand. No, it's like a tree that grows. It's going to mm -hmm. take many, many years to grow. But at the end of the day, that tree is going to become a big tree and provide shade, medicine, uh, food, uh, shelter to humans and animals and birds alike. So I think that's really important to remember that your actions will count in the long run, no matter how small they are. So just uh, step out of your comfort zone and act today. Great. I, I really like that uh, example of, of mentioning the tree as, as, uh, that grows. And, and I, you know, during one of my 
conversations with a, another guest, uh, um, Alicia Fall. She um, she mentioned, you know, that the trees is a living organism as well, and that they trees are are um, also form communities, and um, so it's yeah, so it's 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 a living thing that provides and helps um, other creatures as well. So I I, I like what you just uh, shared. Um, thank you so. Uh, much for for today um and and you know maybe uh to end this is just to uh, to tell the listeners you know to which website they can go to uh to check out your foundation i, I will make sure that's also in the notes but maybe you can mention that uh, before we close off for today we're more than happy to have all of you join us and work with us and you can connect with us uh through our website www.greenhopefoundation.com Dot com, and you can also uh, check out our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages, where we are constantly updating uh, the pages about uh, the work that we do all across the world all the time. So we are just a click away, and we're always looking to work with passionate people who want to uh, create positive impact and change the world. Great. Thank you so much. And and just to remind uh, listeners as well, if you have any, you know, comments or, uh, that you would like to send us, send it to incubationlab at cwsglobal.rg, you know, and that can be about this particular episode or uh, past episodes as well. So uh, thanks again and, and for this, you know, opportunity for me to talk with you and uh, keep on doing what you do. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Walk, Talk, Listen. Please check us out on www.100mile.org or follow us on Facebook or Instagram.